Hey Trademark, how's everybody doing? I hope you're doing well. I'm praying for you guys. I hope you're staying healthy, you're staying safe, you're doing well. I hope you're tuning in to all the stuff we're doing as a church, um, also on the on the Trademark pages, of course, but also on the MC of the Church socials and on the church website. Check out everything that's going on. We are putting out a ton of content every single day that you should be taking advantage of. So I hope you are. If you're in there and it's like a live premiere and there's a place to comment, go in there and just say, hello, Adam. Hello, Pastor Gabe. Just tell us who's watching. So we know you're there and uh, we can just be enjoying that premiere, that time together. Don't miss all those great things. Um, A few announcements that I want to get in front of you before I get going with my message today. And and that is, um, don't miss our Zoom call. Some of you may not know this, but on Fridays at one, uh, we're doing a Zoom call where we're just inviting you guys to tune in. And we put the uh, Zoom link on the Instagram page right there. Uh, So you can check it out Fridays at 1 p.m. Don't miss that Zoom conversation talk. It's fun. It's relaxed. We're just doing a a quick Bible study and just catching up with each other, staying connected. So I hope you tune in for that. Um, Also, we're getting ready for Easter. So Saturday afternoon, I believe it's 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can come by, drive by with your family, and we have a special Easter gift. It's going to be safe. No one's going to get out of the car. We're just going to hand you an Easter gift and uh, hope that you can celebrate Easter and have a good... um, a good Sunday together as a family. I hope your families are doing well. I'm really praying for your guys' family in, in a way just trapped in the same house together, that there's peace there. Do what you can to be a peacemaker. Um, okay, let's get to the word. If you got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to be picking up in verse 1. Um, and, and Easter's here. Easter is here. I'm excited. He is risen, risen indeed. Uh, this might be super awkward. Let's just do it, just, just for funsies. When I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed out loud. Don't just type it. You can type it too. But out loud, he is risen indeed. You ready? Okay, ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Ah! <laughs> Okay, I hope you actually did that. Otherwise, even if it was just me and Adam, it'll work. Okay, Um, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Matthew 28, verse 1. Let's check it out. It says this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they will see 
me. We're, we're going to stop right there. Uh, and, and I just want you to, to hear the Easter story. You can read it. You know, even after I'm done preaching today, uh, if you want to study just the resurrection a little bit further, uh, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and just read that, study that, the power of the resurrection, the power of the Easter story, what happened and why it's so important. It would be worth your time just to go check out 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, other things, you can check out on Right Now Media. If you don't have a Right Now Media subscription, go to mcthechurch.com and grab one there for free. Uh, but there's a, gr- a couple great Easter things on there. There's one by Francis Chan, and there's one that our church has been going through called the Easter Experience. Check those out. It'll be worth your time. Uh, I want to I wanna jump into this, and, and I want to really show you and, and, and talk to you about the big, the big points from this. There's so much that we should learn from the resurrection, from the story of Easter, but I just ha- we don't have time. We can only grab a few of my favorites. But before we do that, I want to pause at verse 6, because I, I just think we can take a minute to appreciate the angel here. The fact that he, he comes down, and, and you know it's funny, why did he roll the stone away? I, I honestly never thought about that as a kid. In every picture that I ever saw growing up in Sunday school and going to church, the stone was rolled away. There was like a majestic, perfectly timed lighting on the rock mountain, and uh, that was the picture. And I never asked myself or just asked anyone, why was the stone rolled away? And, and it's interesting, I, I realized that the angel is really setting this up. He's He's really just, I I just think he deserves applause for this act right here. He comes down, he rolls away the stone, he makes what may be the greatest statement, the most important statement in the Bible. He is risen. He gets to make that statement. And then when he follows that in verse six, when he follows that in verse six, he says, come, see the place where he lay. You see, he rolled the stone back so that the, the women, and we see in other gospels, the disciples as well, could come in and see for themselves, be convinced, figure it out, learn, and really see in, in, in their time, put their hands on the, the, empty, the, the empty linen, walk around the empty tomb, and realize he's gone. See, the stone was rolled back. Maybe, just, maybe it's a, a grand thing, and there's more to it than this, but what if it's just practical? What if it's just the angel going, why don't you just take a look? How about you just get convinced? How about you just figure this out for yourself? Why don't you just come on inside and check it out? You'll see. You'll see what I'm telling you is is real. And so I just want to give it up for the angel because I think that's such a clutch move, so practical, so good. And and, and here's what I want to do before we break down the Easter story. I want to, in in my own way, try to, in in a sense, roll the stone back. Try to convince you of the resurrection. It's kind of silly to some people that Christians believe in a literal resurrection of Jesus. We don't think it was just spiritual. We don't think that he didn't die, as some people have said. But what we believe is that Jesus really rose from the grave, that he really died and rose physically, his body. He physically rose from the grave. And he did that on the third day, just as he said he would. And I want to take some time and just drop some drop some knowledge, drop some facts on you guys so that you too can be convinced like these women were, like the disciples were, like many other people in that day were. I, I want to try to just say, hey, check it out. Be convinced. And there's so many facts. I'm just going to give you a few of my favorite. The first one is this. I want you guys to know some really cool things. One, here's a huge fact. Jesus' resurrection was prophesied in advance. About 700 years before, Isaiah gets on the scene and he says, here's what's going to happen. And he lays it out in detail. 700 years prior to this happening, Isaiah's on the scene saying, 
Here's what's gonna happen. He says things like, like Jesus is gonna be born into a simple, kind of meager, humble life. They're not gonna have a lot. They're not gonna be wealthy. They're not gonna be set up financially. It's gonna be just a very ordinary middle-class life. He, he, he says that. 700 years, he says he's gonna have a brutal death. And, and then he says this crazy statement that he would rise and take away our sin. Now, now you could read Isaiah and study, study Isaiah and you'll realize that he goes into great detail. 700 years before this actually happened, Jesus' resurrection was prophesied in advance. It's pretty impressive. Number two, Jesus himself predicted his own resurrection. Jesus himself predicted his own resurrection. What a flex, right? Like, what a flex. He's just, he's just there and he's like over and over again telling his disciples, listen, I will rise again. He, saying it to his, his disciples, even, even the day that he's about to be led into the trials to be crucified, he's reminding his disciples that he will rise again. Now we see that apparently they didn't fully understand what he was saying or didn't believe him, but, but what a flex that, that he would just call his own shots. Here's what's gonna happen, and then he actually did it. Pretty impressive. Number three, Jesus was super dead. He wasn't just kind of dead. He was super dead. And, and, and this might be, a, a, I don't know, a warning, because this will be some of the graphic stuff. I wanna break down how dead Jesus was. This is how dead he was. Okay, the night before this all went down, he got no sleep because in the dead of night, he was in court. He was in trial. He was being tested and, 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 and being drug all around town and even being beaten. And so before the day even begins, he's already had the worst night of probably me in your life. He's already experiencing pain and he's exhausted. And that's before it all starts. Then he was scourged. He was whipped so many times and oftentimes this scourging, and you, maybe you've seen the passion or, or, or you know what I'm talking about, but the, the, the type of whip that they used oftentimes would kill men before they ever even got to crucifixion. It was so brutal, it was so nasty, it was so terrible that this alone killed many men. Not only was he exhausted, not only was he scourged, but Jesus was crucified on a cross crucified on a cross. Honestly, even with all the movies we have, even with all the details that we can study, as people who have never witnessed this, I don't think we can fully grasp how painful, how agonizing this torture was. It was peak torture, peak torture for the day. Not only was he beaten, tried all night long, not only was he whipped, scourged with with this beating, not only was he crucified on a cross, but a professional executioner pronounced him dead. A professional executioner pronounced him dead. And, and how did he do that? How did he know that he was dead? He didn't just lay down and, 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 and check his pulse. No, what they did is they took a spear and they stabbed it through the side of Jesus. They stabbed it through the side of Jesus. And when they did that, a mix of water and blood flowed from it, which is telling all those gathered, telling the executioner that the spear actually was able to burst the heart sack. Water and blood flowed together. So, so not only was he crucified, after that, they took a spear and stabbed his heart. He's super dead. Then his body was wrapped in around 100 pounds of linen and spices. So even if he survived the beatings, the floggings, the crucifixion, the spear in his heart, the wrappings alone were wrapped so tight and heavy, they would have suffocated him. It goes further. If after all this, 
he was still alive, he would have had to survive three days in a cold rock tomb without food, without water, and without medical attention. For three days in a cold tomb. So, so Jesus was super dead. Like dead four times over. He was so dead. This is such an, an easy thing to prove that he was dead. And then after that, Jesus appears physically. After all of that, three days later, he rises not in spirit, but physically. And we know this because many people touched him. Many people touched him. His disciples, we read in this story, his disciples clung to his feet and worshiped him. But we see that Mary clung to him. We see that Thomas at one point, because he will not be convinced, standing face to face with Jesus Christ, risen from the grave, Thomas has to take his hand and put it in the, the spear hole in his side. So he's very physical. And then this wasn't an act or something. He did this for 40 days. And he did this in front of crowds as large as 500 people. That, that's crazy. And, and then I just love this. When you think about like, did this really happen? We, we do not have a credible uh, historical evidence from that time period that gives any other explanation. Not one. If you go to that time period, to the, the eyewitnesses there, whether you're looking at his enemies or his friends or people in, in other nations, no one has a credible historical account of what happened except for him actually physically rising from the grave. I, I hope I can convince you of this. I hope you can see these facts. And there's many more. Maybe you're bored. Maybe you can look up the facts of Jesus' resurrection and, and be convinced of yourself. And, and then it keeps going. Jesus' resurrection convinced his, his, his own to worship him as God. It's kind of, kind of cute, and, and uh, I forget, one of the professors I had in school said their favorite fact of the resurrection was, uh, or the most impressive fact of the resurrection, was that Jesus was able to convince his brother that he was God, which is quite a feat, um, especially when we know that his half-brother, uh, James, rejected his claims early on, which I think you almost have to, right? Like, if you're the brother of the Almighty, you almost have to kind of give him some grief. Uh, but after the resurrection, his brother jumps on board with this and worships him as God. And that's the same brother who wrote James and would endure persecution and death for his faith. It's pretty convincing. And number seven, and maybe this will, will just put the icing on the cake. Jesus' most bitter enemies believed in his resurrection. The people who hated Jesus the people who despised him, the, the people who would dedicate their life to ruining his cause, believed in his resurrection. And, and there's many examples of this on, on kind of different nations and, and Jews and, and, and Gentiles, all, all different ones that we could point to. The most obvious one, the simplest one to point to is Paul, who, who was actually Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, who would do anything to do anything to ruin the cause of Jesus. And he himself is convinced of this resurrection. Be convinced. <laughs> Check it out for yourself. Take some time this week and, and really examine it if you're still not convinced. You see, Jesus really lived, Jesus really died, and Jesus really rose again. That's what we believe. And this is a big deal. This is the best news ever. On the best night of the week, on the best week of, no, 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 that's, on, on the best Sunday of the year, the best news ever, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it changes everything. 
I mean, it changes everything. Literally, I'm going to give you five things that are true because he lives, but there's, there's almost nothing in our modern world that is true without him being alive. Like, like, like his resurrection has affected everything, everything, because he lives. We, we, when I grew up, worship, uh, worship's come a long way, and, and one of the songs that I love to sing, and, and I don't know, we might be singing it Sunday, but, but it's, it says, because he lives, and it kind of goes, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because he lives, I'll fear, it just keeps going, and it's all this like just dropping facts, because Jesus lives, he lives today, so because he lives, here's five things, because he lives, one, because he lives, we can trust his word, we can trust his word, we can trust this book, because Jesus lives, you see, if Jesus is dead, Christianity is dead, if, if Jesus is dead, then, then you're the most foolish, idiotic person to walk the planet, and so am I, because we believe in a fairy tale. We believe in a lie. So if Jesus is dead, then Christianity itself dies. But if Jesus lives, then Christianity lives. Uh, so as long as Jesus lives, Christianity lives, which is why we can so confidently say, even in the face of COVID-19 and in the face of wars and tragedies, that our faith will stand the test of time, that, that, that our faith will, will never die. We may experience persecution, there may be times where we can't meet how we would like to meet, but even in the face of those times, our faith will live. Our, the church will go on because if, if Jesus lives, Christianity lives. And, and, and here's what's cool. We can trust his word because he fulfilled his word. So you can trust it. Every part of his word is true, and we know that because one of the hardest things to believe is, a, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he proved it. And no one can disprove it. Like, look it up. Look up the, the biggest arguments against the resurrection. And they're so far off base. It, it's, it's not hard. We're convinced of this. He, he really rose. And because Jesus actually rose, then in other areas of God's word that I might struggle with, that you might struggle with, we can take him at his word. So, so maybe you read, uh, you know, the story of, of creation. God literally creating the world. And maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you read the story of, of Noah building an ark and a flood that wiped out everything and then Noah you know, sending out a dove and the dove landing on a, an olive tree and then maybe you just you can't get around it. Maybe you, you can't understand crossing the Red Sea that, that the walls of water would stand up on, on both sides of, of God's people as they crossed over on dry ground. Maybe you can't fully understand that. Maybe you're like, that's really hard to believe. Maybe, maybe you struggle with the idea that Jesus could be born of a virgin. And you're like, man, I took anatomy. I know how this thing works. That doesn't happen, right? And, and so, so maybe you're, you're looking at God's, God's story, God, the, the Bible, and you're going, man, that, that right there, that's hard to believe. Maybe, maybe it's something even to God's character that God is all, all knowing, that God is is all present, that, that he can be everywhere at once. Maybe it's the Trinity. I don't know. There's so many things in here that, that different people find that are, are, are hard to believe, but we can trust his word even in the places that we struggle to trust his word because Jesus actually rose. Because he lives, we can trust his word. In John 11, verse 25, um, it, it says that Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? We can trust his word. The second thing I want to point out is we live with joy. Because he lives, we live with 
joy. The joy that comes from the freedom of forgiveness. We're united with Christ. You are forgiven. All your sins, past, present, and future, all your sins are forgiven because he lives. Because he was able to rise from the grave and kick death in the teeth, you live with joy. This fills us with unspeakable joy. This is why Christians should be the most upright, head high, smile on your face people in the world because we have an internal joy that cannot be quenched. We have a joy that'll last forever. We have a joy that'll carry us even to our own death because we know we will rise with Jesus as Jesus rose from death. So so we have this unspeakable joy. I, I hope you're experiencing that joy. I hope you're, you're, you're in a sense tapping into that and you're choosing joy because of the freedom you have in Christ, the forgiveness you have in him. We live with joy because he lives. Number three, because he lives, we live victorious. We live victorious. The power of the resurrection is working to sanctify us. Now we've used that word a bunch, so maybe you already fully have it understand. That's awesome. The idea of sanctification is that kind of every single day as we grow as Christians, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And you might have times where you just don't feel like that, or you might have huge failures. But 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 as we move forward, we're becoming more and more like Jesus, and that is 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 happening in us only because Jesus rose from the grave. So, so we can follow him. We can carry our cross as he did. We can, we, we can become more and more like him. We can have victory over sin. We can have victory over temptation. We can have victory over boredom. We can have victory over so many things, all because he lives. All because he lives. Fourth, uh, we, we've been talking about this a lot, I feel like, in our last couple series and going through Matthew, but because he lives, our, our world will live. Our world will, will live. And uh, Adam and myself, we really want to get this through to you guys because this is such a, a misconception even in the church today. That so many Christians even point to COVID-19 and they go, see, the world is trash, right? That everything in this world is, is just a mess and God's just gonna wipe the whole thing out, destroy everything because he's tired of this world. And what we see in the resurrection, and we see this as, as Jesus rose physically and not just spiritually, that, that he is not just redeeming us spiritually. He's not just redeeming us metaphorically. It's not just like, like ghosts floating around. It's physical. And, 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 and when he rises physically, not only does that tell us that our physical body will, will, will rise, but also that, that our world will rise. This is God's creation, just like you are God's creation. God loves his creation. God God died for his people. Our world will live. This physical world matters to Jesus. It matters to Jesus. He's not out to destroy the world. He's restoring the world. In a way, you could say he's resurrecting the world. He's redeeming it. He's making it new. He's making it glorious. More and more, in a way, he's sanctifying the world. Where daily the world is, is being crafted into his creation and, and, and being redeemed. I, I was watching, I was watching the, um, the Easter experience that, that our church has been going through in Right Now Media. And there's this part in there where they, the Easter experience, they kind of do this, this drama. They act out the Easter story and they give lessons from it. It's like six parts, I think. But, but when Peter chops off the ear... In the Easter experience uh, on Right Now Media, Jesus goes over, picks up the ear, and, and just sets it on the guy's, um, where his ear should go, and heals his ear. And, and, and I just connected in my mind that that's so easy for Jesus because he's the creator. 
right? Be- because he created him, he knows how to repair him. Because he, he created him, he knows how to redeem him. It- as God is the creator of this world, he can redeem this world. And we might look at things that are broken, and for God, he's just redeeming, he's just restoring, he's just healing, he's just making it new. And so our world, our world will live because he lives. Number five, and this one might be the hardest to take in, but really this is the push of the Easter story. No one is neutral. Because he lives, no one is neutral. No one is neutral. In Acts 17 verse 30, it says this, the time of, ig- uh, of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. See, see, because Jesus lives, all mankind in every generation must decide. You either receive or reject this truth. It, it, it's not... It's, it's not this idea of, well, if you choose to believe that, good for you, and I choose to believe this, so good for me, and, and everyone will be fine. It's, and it's sad that we even hear Christians saying that. Everyone can kind of just choose for themselves and pick for themselves. And it's like, yeah, I guess everyone can choose for themselves, but there really is only one truth. And, and Jesus' resurrection makes this clear. And in a way, if we don't stand upon this truth, then we mock his death and we mock his resurrection. And so Jesus' resurrection makes it so no one is neutral. You either receive or reject this truth. A couple weeks ago, Adam talked about there's only two ways, right? You either receive or you reject this truth. And if you remain indifferent or undecided, that is to reject it. No one is neutral on this matter. No one is neutral. Because he lives, no one is neutral. Um, and, And that might be hard to hear. And that might be, that might bring into your mind, into your heart, family members, friends who haven't decided or have, or have rejected this truth. And, and, and we just have to know that, that the resurrection of Jesus is powerful and it's good, and yet it's true. And so if it's true, then those who don't believe it, they're on the wrong side of this. You either reject it or you receive it, but regardless of your response, it is true. He is risen, he is risen indeed. And because he lives, no one is neutral. So Easter is here. Now what? Well, decide for yourself. I, I don't want to believe for a moment that someone watching this hasn't made the decision. Decide for yourself. Did Jesus really live a perfect life, die a sacrificial death for the sins uh, of, of his people, and rise again in three days? Is he ruling and reigning? Is he the Lord and Savior of this world and of your life? You need to decide for yourself. That's a decision within you. That, that's a decision where, where, where you give your life over to him. He forgives your sins. You look forward to eternity and you spend every day becoming more and more like him. You need to decide for yourself. Repent and believe or reject it, but you have to decide for yourself. And, and, and part of my, my goal of this message was to help you make that decision. And if you share this with your friends, if you show this to other people who have time to maybe watch a sermon when they really wouldn't before, and, and you're watching that now, your friends share this with you, now is your chance to decide. Repent, meaning, meaning own your sin. I really did this. I know it's wrong. I need forgiveness from my Savior. And then change your ways. Start to live and, and, and seek to honor God and, and to be one of his kids, to follow him, to be obedient to his word. Get a Bible and 
Start to study it. Talk to your friend. Talk to one of us and, and ask your questions and start to grow in this, becoming more and more like Jesus. And then the, the last thing is the resurrection story ends with marching orders from God. And, and we're gonna go to Matthew uh, 28, verse 16. And, and he says this, and this is, you know, he, he rose, he tells his disciples, go meet me in Galilee, and now they're in Galilee, and this is what he, he says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Tell the world. Tell the world. Tell, tell the world the truth of Jesus. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Our, our, our purpose statement, our vision statement at MCA is MCA exists to expose the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. In many ways, all of God's people, you and I, we exist to expose the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. So, so tell the world, tell your close family and friends especially those who don't believe. Uh, share it, declare it to the World Wide Web. Declare it, but now the only place we can connect is on the World Wide Web, right? So, so now share it there. Share this sermon. Share other sermons. Share this truth. Share memory verses. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Tell the world that he died for them. Tell the world. Give your life that the world might know this truth, that the world might repent and believe, that the world might know the greatest truth forever told. Let me pray with you and get you guys out of here. Uh, I, I love you so much. I miss you. Keep tuning in. Keep connecting. You, you got my number. Text me if you need to reach out to me. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your people. Thank you for each of these uh, students as they are home and they're learning a different way to do schooling and they're spending more and more time with people in their home. God, give them peace. Give them comfort. Lord, help us to really be able to grasp the truth, the power, the impact of the Easter story, that you rose from the grave. Lord, that changes everything. And because you live, we live, and we thank you for that. Lord, we, we pray for those who don't know you. Lord, may this be the season where they give their lives over to you, where they enter into the family of God, where they walk with that joy, that assurance, and they look forward to everlasting life with him. In Jesus' name, amen.